everybody. Uh, let's all stand as we start as a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Rick, would you uh, open the word of prayer? Amen. Let's all take your hymnals and turn over to hymn number 254. Hymn number 254. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. Shout, shout the sound. Spread the blessed tidings all and all around. Spread the joyful news wherever it is found. Number 330. 330. I would be like Jesus. Earthly
Thank you. May be seated. Our loving Master, 
short is our time to labor and wait. Then will our toiling seem to be nothing when we shall It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight to have uh, each one of you here uh, with us. Uh, such a joy uh, to be able to be together. Um, got a couple of thank yous I want to read uh, to you. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Job. The book of Job. says, bonjour and happy new year. You didn't know I knew French, did you? <laughs> Addie and I wanted to say a special thanks to you all for your faithful prayers and gifts towards the ministry. You folks have been such a blessing to us for so many years, and we're truly grateful. We trust you'll have a great year filled with God's richest blessings. Please greet everyone for us. God bless Jim and Addie White. And uh, they are now ministering in France. And then we uh, have this card from the McCrackens, okay? Um, Brother Dave and uh, Nancy McCracken says, Dear Pastor Metzinger Church, thank you. We made our last payment on our new-to-us 2018 GMC in December. We made the first payment in May of 2022. We are humbled and thankful for all you that prayed and gave to make that possible. We still marvel how that God provides for us and takes care of us through friends and churches like you. Last year ended with a flurry 
three weeks in Florida, and all four churches were new to us. Then ended the year in Missouri and at home on Christmas Day with Southwest Baptist Church, Oklahoma City. God has blessed us with good health and safety as we travel back and forth across the country. We do not take that for granted and truly appreciate the prayers on our behalf. January the 1st began with what I call our West Coast Swing for 10 weeks. Started in Arizona and will end in Arizona. In between, we'll be in California five weeks, in Washington two weeks, and Oregon one week. We are so grateful for the excitement and the reception for the preached word. Every church is unique, and yet every church seems to enjoy and appreciate how God is at work. He alone is worthy. Oh, the picture in Post Falls, Indiana. Thank you for your continued prayers. Keep the faith. Glad to be servants. Dave and Nancy, Acts 24 and verse 16. And he's referring to this picture on the front of the card that he took uh, in Idaho. And so it's uh, good to be able to uh, partner uh, with evangelists uh, such as the McCrackens. Uh, Brother McCracken, when he got the check, called me uh, on a Sunday afternoon. He said, I was visiting with my daughter, and she told me that your church sent the check that paid the vehicle off. And I'm like, whoa, how cool is that? You know, we got to be the ones to pay that off. So uh, such a blessing to be able to minister and to be a help that way. Uh, so thankful for it. So on your way in, did you get a, a outline? If not, Brother Carl has those there at the back. He'll be glad uh, to get those to you. Uh, the book of Job, this is a very brief outline, and uh, I'm not promising that I'll follow this outline, okay? It was just one that came up in some study, and I thought, oh, I want to give them an outline uh, so that they can have that, and so it's a front and back there, and uh, just a brief outline of the book of Job. And uh, a book that I've been want, wanting to uh, study. And uh, the other book I'm wanting to study is Ezekiel. And I thought Job would be a little easier. Okay. And it will be. Uh, but uh, looking forward to Ezekiel down the road here. Uh, we'll be getting to it uh, in the days ahead. And I know it'll be a blessing also. But we'll uh, start here in the book of Job. So if you're in the book of Job, you can follow along verse number 1, chapter 1. As I read, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance was uh, three uh, was seven thousand sheep, and three thousand cattle, or three thousand camels, and five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred she asses, and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, Thus did Job continually. Lord, we thank you for this time together tonight in your word. I pray that as we begin uh, our outlook here on the book of Job, uh, that it might cause us to want uh, more in-depth study, that we might uh, spend that time with you, seeking to uh, know more about this man uh, called Job, uh, 
and uh, its value, uh, the book's value in our Bible. And uh, might this just be a real growing time in each one of our lives. We love you and we thank you for our time together tonight. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. And so tonight I'm going to give you an introduction to the book. Uh, so I'm going to give you a lot of information. You may want to write on your piece of paper. That's another reason I put that in your hand. Uh, give you some room to write on. Uh, just kind of the background, the layout of the book. And then next week we'll start in chapter 1 and chapter 2. So the book of Job has long been praised as a masterpiece of literature. Consider these quotes. Tomorrow, if all literature was to be destroyed, and it was left to me to retain one work only, I should save Job. That was uh, Victor Hugo. Um, Tennyson, the great poet, wrote, The greatest poem, whether of ancient or modern literature, referring to the book of Job. The book of Job, taken as a mere work of literary genius, is one of the most wonderful productions of any age or of any language. Daniel Webster. And so uh, the book of Job has been valued throughout history. What is it about the book that prompts such praise? Most Christians, I know, don't feel that way about the book of Job. Perhaps it's because they tend to neglect the Old Testament altogether. Yet Paul wrote of the value of the Old Testament scriptures. In Romans 15, 4, he says, For whatsoever things are written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Note that the Old Testament was written for our learning, and it provides patience and, patience and comfort, and as such can be a source of hope. This is especially true with the story of Job, to whom James referred when, he, when seeking to instill patience. James 5, 10 through 11, we read, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And so the book of Job is not only referenced in the New Testament and referred back to, and Paul found great value there uh, along with James. Because the book of Job is so often neglected, yet presents a valuable lesson and is so highly praised by even people of the world, Christians should certainly take time to study this portion of God's Word. And so our first point, and we have five or six, maybe seven of these tonight. The first point is the place of Job in the Old Testament. So Job is the first of five books commonly referred to as the books of poetry. Now, I've read through the book of uh, Job, I don't know, five, six times. I never thought of it as a poetic book, but that it is. It's the first of the poetic books. Uh, these books would be Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Called such because they are written in poetic style in contrast to the narrative style of most other, other books. They are also often referred to as wisdom literature, especially Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. So teenagers, here are three books of the Bible that ought to be a part of your life to give you wisdom, wisdom literature. And adults, we need it too, right? And so we need the book of Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. 
Oswald Chambers uh, offered this concise summary of these five books. He said, Job teaches you how to suffer. Psalms teaches you how to pray. Proverbs teaches you how to act. Ecclesiastes teach you how to enjoy. And Song of Solomon teach you how to love. Now let's take a look at the book of Job in particular. Uh, the second point would be author and date of writing. Who wrote the book and when? Well, no one really knows. That's, that's kind of sad. Jewish tradition attributes the book to Moses, and other authors have been suggested, Job and Elihu, uh, Solomon, Isaiah, Hezekiah, and Baruch, uh, Jeremiah's scribe. All that can be said with certainty is that the author was a loyal Hebrew who was not strictly bound by the popular creed and assumed suffering was always the direct result of sin. Because the author is unknown, its date has been hotly debated among scholars. Some think that it was written before Moses, pre-1500 B.C. Others put it at the time of Solomon, 900 B.C., and some even as late as the Babylonian exile, post-600 B.C. The uncertainty of the author and date does not nullify the book's inspiration, for it is affirmed in the New Testament. Uh, Paul quotes uh, many different occasions uh, referencing back uh, to the book of Job. For the Christian who accepts the inspiration of the New Testament, such evidence is sufficient. Uh, the his, uh, historicity of the book, uh, the history of it. Even though inspired, uh, we take events described in, its in it historically true. There are several reasons for believing that they are. The style of the opening and the close of the book certainly conform to other biblical narratives that are historical, like 1 Samuel 1.1 uh, 1, 1 and Luke 1.5. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, Job is mentioned along with Noah and Daniel, two other figures of history in Ezekiel 14.14. 14. And James, the Lord's brother, refers to Job as an example of perseverance. We read James 5.11. So the setting of the book. The historical events appear to be set in the patriarchal period, sometimes be, sometime between Noah and Moses. There are no allusions to the law of Moses in the book, but there is a mention of a flood uh, in 22, uh, verse number 16. Job 22, verse number 16. Job functions as a priest in offering sacrifices for his family, uh, chapter 1, verse number 5, we just read, similar to what we find with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 7. His longevity is typical of the patriarchs. Uh, back in the patriarchic time, uh, those people would live hundreds of years at a time. And so uh, with Job, he had a long longevity there. Uh, for such reasons, we could place him somewhat like a contemporary of Abraham, uh, maybe somewhere around 2000 B.C. Now, what's the purpose of the book? What's the purpose of the book of Job? This is the fifth point. It is common to suggest that the purpose of the book is to answer the age-old question, why does God allow the righteous to suffer? Have you ever wondered that yourself? Why is it that good people, righteous people suffer? Why do we have to know pain why do we have to know suffering? This is certainly the question Job raises 
but is worthy to note that he himself never receives a direct answer, nor is one given by the author other than the answer uh, Satan's challenge, does Job fear God for nothing? We are privileged to know of the challenge of Satan and that God allows Job to suffer in answer to that challenge. But Job is never told of this. Therefore, I suggest that the purpose of the book is to answer the question, how should the righteous suffer? How should we suffer? When suffering comes, how should we suffer? Well, I think it's important that, and we realize that if we suffer, we are not those that suffer with no hope. We suffer with a hope. We know that if our life would end as a result of our suffering, heaven is our eternal home. We have that blessed hope of the lost people do not possess. So while Job's uh, questions and complaints often come close to charging God with wrong, he never crosses the line and humbly submits to God when told that the answers to his questions are beyond his ability to understand. Thus the book shows us how the righteous should bear up under suffering. You've heard of the perseverance of Job, James 5 and verse number 11 we read just recently. Number six, some lessons from the book. Some lessons from the book. In his study on the book, uh, the book of Job, uh, Wayne Jackson offers the following lessons to be gleaned. First of all, he says, the book defines the absolute glory and perfection of God. It sets forth the theme echoed in Psalms 18.3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. God is deserving of our praise simply on the basis of who he is apart from the blessings he bestows. You know, we ought to well just be thankful for who God is, not because of what he gives us, but because of who he is. We ought to praise his name. Satan denied this in Job 1, 9 through 11. There we read, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And, of course, we realize that as Satan was allowed to attack Job and to bring affliction and suffering to his hands, uh, Job proved him wrong. In Job 1, 20 through 22, we read, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. And uh, then in Job 2 and verse number 10, his wife's trying to get him to basically commit suicide. And Job says, but he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall not we receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. And so we're going to get the good, we're going to get the bad in all of it. We need to trust God and thank him for his goodness to us. The question of suffering is addressed. Why do we suffer? Who or what causes it? Why doesn't God do something about it? 
You know, not all these questions are answered, but some important points are made. And so maybe you're wondering about these things uh, yourself. You know, why, why is it that Christians do suffer? Uh, what causes it? Is it sin in the life of a person that causes suffering, or is it for some other reason? And why doesn't God do something about it? Um, I know I've prayed, especially when my wife was sick. I prayed and prayed, and uh, yet she still had to go through suffering. It was part of what God wanted her to go through. Um, so we need to learn to accept God's will and God's reason. But here's just a few thoughts along these uh, questions. First of all, man's unable to, sub, uh, to subject the painful experiences of human existence to a meaningful analysis. God's workings are beyond men's ability to phantom. Man simply cannot tie all the loose ends of the Lord's purposes together. We must learn to trust in God no matter the circumstances. So whatever comes our way, we may not understand it, we may not see it, all that good and so forth, but what we have to do is learn that I'm going to trust God. God loves me, He cares for me, uh, he, He's bringing this into my life for a reason, to hopefully make me better and more in the image of God. Second thing is, suffering is not always the result of personal sin. The erroneous conclusion drawn by Job's friends is that suffering is always a consequence of sin. Job proves that this is not the case. And of course, as we see the backstory uh, where Satan stands in the presence of God, we know that what Job went through was not a result of sin in his life. It was a testing, and Satan was trying to prove that Job would fold up and walk away from God. And Job didn't. He remained faithful to God. The third thing we see is that suffering may be allowed as a complement to one's spirituality. God allowed Job to suffer to prove to Satan what kind of man he really was. Man, have you ever thought about what confidence God had in Job? Can I just be honest with you a little bit? I, I, I hope I would pass. I would prefer him not to put me to the test, but... I would, I would pray that I would pass. I would just remain faithful to God no matter what comes my way. The book paints a beautiful picture of patience. Patient, patience, the word for patience in the Greek uh, is defined this way. It describes the trait of one who is able to abide under the weight of trials. From the patience of Job... We learn that it means to maintain fidelity to God, even under great trials in which we do not understand what is happening. To be patient, to just trust God, to walk with God, to remain faithful to God. It's sad how many times I've watched uh, tests come into the life or a trial or suffering come into the life of a believer, and instead of embracing God, they push away from God. I don't get that. I mean, he loves me. He created me. He cares for me. He saved me. Why wouldn't I embrace the one who could do something about it rather than get mad and push away? And yet I've, I've watched it over and over again. So it's, it will do us good to study through the book of Job and to recognize that in the midst of our trials and our sufferings, we need to draw closer to him. This book also prepares the way 
for the coming of Jesus Christ. His coming is anticipated in several ways. Job longs for a mediator between him and God. Job 9.33 says, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. And Job 33.23 says, If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness? You know, he's longing for somehow for God to be able to communicate with him and to be a mediator uh, between him and God? And the answer is Jesus is the one, right? 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Job confessed his faith in a Redeemer who would one day come. Job 19.25 We read, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Hallelujah. Christ is the Redeemer. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then, uh, of course, I've given you here uh, this outline that was the next uh, point in my thing. So we wrap up uh, with our eighth and final point, which is... Um, this outline. Uh, we notice Job's distress, chapters 1 through 3, and it breaks down his prosperity, his adversity, his perplexity. And then we see uh, Job's defense. There's the first round, and the three uh, friends come. There's the second round, the three friends come, and we get Job's reply. And the third round, just two of the friends speak, we get Job's reply. And then a young Elihu, who happens to be there, speaks. He contradicts Job's friends, uh, contradicting Job himself and proclaiming God's justice, goodness, and majesty. And then we see God's, or well, then we see Job's deliverance, uh, chapters thirty-eight through forty-two. God humbles Job, thirty-eight through uh, forty-two-six, through questions too great to answer. And Job acknowledges his inability to understand. And then God honors Job. Uh, God rebukes his critics and God restores his wealth. I would hope and pray if I would ever have to face the trials that Mr. Job faced, I could pass them the way that he did. Trusting God all the way. Not trusting in myself, but trusting in the one who loves me and gave himself for me. So I'm excited about the study in the upcoming weeks. Uh, you can go ahead and begin to study ahead. Uh, you know, use the outline uh, if you would like and prepare for the study ahead in the book of Job. Let's, uh, let's turn in our prayer guides. Um, we will have our prayer time.